to do it. You're going to have to really impress that upon me. Well, fast forward a little bit later, and I was in a meeting, and somebody referenced a 73rd Psalm. And they didn't go into all the details with it, but it did it just enough to pique my curiosity with it. And it was talking, and he, and he referenced it, and he used it with talking about perspective. And I was like, okay, so I thought about it for a minute, and I'm like, that's what I'm going to focus on in 2020. I'm going to focus on perspective, what I focus on, what I think about, and how I put God right smack in the middle of it. So I didn't take, you know, I was like, well, we're going to roll with it. <clears throat> well, when I was asked to, um, to share it, I'm like, all right, Lord, I need a word. Um, where you want me to go? And he said, perspective. I said, all right. So he gave me two places. One of them just happens to be in Isaiah. But before I begin, I found this quote some time ago, and I wrote it down in a journal. But it's a quote by Rick Warren. He wrote the book Purpose Driven Life. But the quote says this, you have to keep going even when you want to quit. Holocaust survivor Corey Ten Boom said, if you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. But if you look at Christ, you'll be at rest. It all depends on where your focus is. Where you bring your mind's attention will determine how you ultimately feel. I was like, hmm. Well, that's already talking about perspective, where you want to get your focus on. Because God's already showed me, and I'm pretty sure anybody else too, that if you sit around and you look at the world long enough, or you look around the situations that's going around you with family or friends or just at work or whatever, it's enough that will drive you up the wall if you're not, if you're steady to looking around and, and instead of looking up. And instead of looking, okay, God, what are you telling me to do with all this? What does your word say? How do I need to handle this? So I did some more research. And then that's when I decided, I'm like, you know what, in children's church, what I do, we call them object lessons. But tonight I'm going to just say I'm going to use a visual aid. And I enjoy doing them just because it's fun and it gives the kids something to relate it. And when they see it in the grocery store, they see it where they're like, well, Miss Nora some, or taught about so-and-so, and I remember it because of this object right here. Well, <clears throat> this, and I'm going to show you a photograph of it because I went all over Tuscaloosa for two days trying to find what is called wheat berries, and I could find none. Tuscaloosa does not have these for whatever reason. They're wheat berries. And what they do with this, they ground this up ultimately to make bread with. Now this roughly will yield two cups when they ground it out. But what I did do, I did find whole wheat flour. If anybody wants it after service, you're more than welcome to it because I can't eat it, but you can gladly have it. But anyway, um, this is roughly what it'll look like. Two cups right here. But this is where it got interesting. Now, if you bake this, and by the time you get that loaf out of the oven, I don't bake bread. I go buy bread. Fresh Market, they have homemade bread. So by the time you cut that up and you divvy it out, if you've got a family of four or a little bit more, you might be lucky. You can get a slice. You can put some butter on it. It might be all right. But that's it. You just get one piece. But now if I took, say I had a bag of them, but if I took all this to a farmer and I gave the farmer these wheat berries, these seeds, if I gave it to a farmer,
what would that farmer do? That farmer's going to plant them. That farmer's got a different outlook than, say, a, a mom would or a housewife would that's trying to prepare a meal. One loaf will be fine. We just got to eat dinner tonight. But a farmer's going to think about seasons to come, years to come, down the line. So what happens is they'll plant this, and when they plant it, and when it comes time for harvest, they've got enough that they can do it again, and they can do it again, and they can do it again because they'll save the, they'll save the seeds off that harvest, and they just keep replanting them. Pick it, save it, plant it, and just keep going. It's a cycle. They'll just keep going. They just keep going. That's a farmer's outlook. And we can relate that to us. Within us, we have, um, we have endless potential. Jesus' perspective for us is similar to that. We often will see our faults. We'll see our flaws. We'll see our issues. We'll think, well, God, I'm just a small little bag of wheat. I'll equal out to just one little slice. I don't know what you're going to do with it. And then we compare ourselves to others. And the Lord knows I've done that. And I've heard other people do it. Well, that person can dress better than me, or that person can speak better than me. Or I don't never want to pray behind that person because they can pray fire down if they need to. Or... You know, that person is more popular or, or that person can sing better, preach better, whatever. I mean, it's easy to get caught up in a comparison game. All you need is just an open window, just a little crack, and that's all it takes. And then you'll compare yourself to any and everybody. At least I have. <clears throat> but if you look at it from God's perspective, when he looks at us, he sees us with unlimitless potential. <clears throat> and all he needs is just one of those kernels to grow you into something amazing. That's all he needs, just, just a little kernel. Now, in Isaiah, the 55th chapter, verses um, 8 and 9, it tells us this. It says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. That's a beautiful scripture right there that teaches us, you know, just to have a little bit of faith, have a little bit of trust in the Lord, and to trust the Lord can see what we may limit ourselves with. But like, and he can grow it into something amazing. But we have to give ourselves over to him. We have to trust that he can make something out of us greater than what we can make of ourselves. <clears throat> and then I... Um, And then that's what I jumped on over to said, Psalm 73. And I 
did some reading and I did some studying there because it kind of showed me two different perspectives between those two scriptures. And Isaiah, yes, it's easy for us to, we can get caught up in so many things, especially when we're looking at ourselves. But in Psalms, it was talking about what was going on around and what he was seeing. And, um, and how he was thinking, you know what, people can get away with anything. They can do bad, and if they get away with it, then they prosper. They flourish. They can just do anything, and, and it's okay. But, but Psalm 73 is pretty good. I'd like to read it real quick for you. Surely God is good to Israel, those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens. They are not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts come iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits. They scoff and speak with malice. With arrogance, they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven, and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink up the waters in abundance. They say, how would God know? Does the Most High know anything? This is what the wicked are like, always free of care. They go on amassing wealth. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I have been afflicted, and every morning bringing new punishments. If I had spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. When I try to understand all this, it troubles me deeply. Till I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. Surely you place them on a slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How sudden are they, suddenly are they destroyed? Completely swept away by terrors. They're like a dream and one awakes. When you arise, Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. When, when my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered and I was senseless and arrogant, I was a brute beast before you, yet I'm always with you. You hold, you hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will take me into glory. Whom, I, whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. It struck me at the beginning of it, he was so... You know, he was focused. They all prospered, Lord. All this was happening, and they got away with it. You know, focused on what was going on around him. His perspective was earthly-minded. It wasn't heaven-minded at the time. <clears throat> Lord, they can speak with malice, you know, they're evil, and it seems like they still get to prosper. 
that again, if we look around, we can look in our family and we can sure enough look at the world right now and we can see the same thing. Lord, how much longer? How much longer will they get away with it? How much longer does it seem like they just keep getting richer and richer or they just keep going and going and there's no stop? But then it says, but then he entered into God's sanctuary to the sanctuary of God. He started praying. He started spending time with the Lord, and when he did that, his focus shifted. His excuse me, his perspective shifted. It changed from being earthly-minded. It changed from looking around at what everybody he thought was getting away with what. It changed to however unfair he thought his life might have been at the time. It changed it. He swapped it from earth to heaven. Spending time with God, praying to God, whatever he was praying about, it changed his perspective. And when it did that, he said, you know what? I finally understand. I understand. He said, I understand, Lord. Regardless of what happens here, my mindset needs to be on you and what your word says and what you tell me. My focus, my perspective needs to be heaven-minded. It needs to be on you. Because whatever happens here, it's going to happen, and there's nothing that I can do about it, but I can control how I react to it based on what I'm focused on the most. Because what I'm focused on is going to dictate how I'm going to feel about it when it happens. So, Lord, I'm going to focus on you. Because he goes on over in that 73rd Psalm after he says, okay, okay, God, okay, I get it. You're going you're gonna to destroy them. They're going to be gone. They're going to perish. But then he goes on to say, but Lord, I'm always with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And then I love that part right here on verse 25. And it says, whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire beside you. That's like one of my favorite songs. That whole little phrase right there is in it, and I love it when it gets sung. That is like one of my favorite songs when I hear it. And it goes on to say, but God is the strength of my heart, and he's my portion forever. But as for me, it is good for me to be near God. And he goes on to the end, and he says, I'm going to tell of all your deeds. And I was like, how can I apply that? How can I get my perspective shifted? Whether it's a bad day at work, whether I walked into something at Walmart and run up on something, and that's not hard at all. Just walk in there at the right time. How can I handle it? What can I do? Well, first off, I can do it. It said at the last of that thing, I, Lord, I can tell them all about you and all that you've done. I was a pitiful mess, and you saved me from hell. I can tell them about you. You know, a little bit back, I bumped into somebody, and uh, and they were telling me, you know what, my mom has cancer, and I know the mom. And I said, oh, man, I am so sorry. You know, I said, we're going to pray, and we're going to believe. I said, I've walked the road you're about to walk. I said, I'm there. I've got your back. And I said, but know that God has you, and he has your mom. And she's like, let's just pray. I said, okay, we're going to pray. 
Now, I haven't had an update recently, but I do know that the mom's now taking chemo. And like chemo does what chemo does, it ravages your body to heal it from this, poor, this cancer. Cancer. The mom has lost all her hair, but she come back and she mentioned me there. She said, my mom's a fighter. Cancer's not going to win. I said, keep that your focus, because if you get focused on what that disease is doing to your mom, and if you get focused on how it's tearing her apart, it seems like, when you get focused on how sick you think she may be getting, if you focus on all that and you don't focus on what God is doing, it will eat you up. I said, keep your focus on God. Thank him. Even on the days that are bad when she's sick as a dog, Lord, I still I thank you that you're healing her. I thank you that we're a doctor, even though we need them, and I love medical personnel. God, Lord knows we need them, but when one of them pronounced this, we're like, uh-uh. And she's like, well, what do I do? They spoke this and be like, tell them what I told my doc, my mother's doctor. I respect your opinion because we need medical people. We need great oncology, but you don't get the final say. That's on God. And until God moves or God does what God's going to do, I'm going to believe God for her healing, and there ain't nothing that you can say that's going to make me think different. Message me back. We had that conversation, and the doctor said, well, that's what it's going to take, and be like, okay, bet. Change that focus. Quit looking around the world. Because the world will give you every reason to give up. It'll give you every reason to stop following Jesus. Just give him five minutes. Stay kingdom-minded. God, what would you do here in this situation? Lord, how can I help? Lord, how do I stay focused on you when everything is telling me to cut and run? You get in this. If it's your Bible that you can pick up and you can hold or the Bible app on your phone, open it up and you read it and cry, God, I'm not moving, I'm not budging, I need you right now. I feel like my life is falling apart and I'm trying not to get wrapped up in it. I'm trying, I need that heavenly connection, Lord. I need the perspective that only you can give me. Show me what to do. Go into that sanctuary with him and don't leave. I guarantee you God's going to move. His word's not going to come back to him void. He done said that. Read this. And if you feel like you can't read for a second, there is absolutely nothing wrong with just crying out to Jesus, God, I need you now more than I ever have. I got family members telling me to do this. I've got the world saying do this. But Lord, you're saying this. You're saying to follow you. You're saying to not let go of you. You're saying to hang on you with everything that I have and you'll see me through. You're telling me to do all this, but God, I need your help because I'm losing my grip. I've had too many balls thrown at me. I can't dodge anymore. I need your help. And he's there. He's never far away. And I know a lot of us have walked some hard roads. I know a lot of us have went through some things that's probably challenged our faith, our outlook, our perspective, our focus. And I know I'm not the only one that can sit back like, you know what, that year about took me out, but thank God I made it. Now, God, now how can I use that to help somebody else? How can I use what I've had to walk through where you can get the glory because it's not about me. It's about what you can do through me.
And even then, I'm just a vessel that you use. What can you do? How can you? And sometimes we have to do, we have to walk. Sometimes we get somebody we want to help so much because we see so much potential. And we know how much God loves them and we're trying to help them for falling off a proverbial cliff. God said you got to walk away. Because usually two things happen when you're trying to minister to people. Are you trying to witness to them and you're doing everything you can to lead them to the Lord? They're going to influence you or you're going to influence them. And we always pray for the other. We pray that we can influence them, that we can get him here to church on Sunday or on Wednesday night, that we can get the word of God in and then that we have a chance to disciple them, to pray for them. But our perspective still has to be kingdom-minded because God sees the bigger picture. He sees what we can't see. We get a glimpse because I think if God showed us the whole thing, we'd be so scared we probably wouldn't budge. At least, mm -mm. So he gives us a glimpse. And sometimes we have to kind of walk away for a minute. But between 2018 and 2019, it was rough. <laughs> this past year has tested me in ways I never thought imaginable. I remember a few years back, it was after Guillermo walked through his walk, and uh, all that came out great, praise be to God. But then I was in that kitchen in there, and it was right after he gotten back home. And I'm on top of the world, can't nothing touch me. I'm like, God, you are great. You prevailed, mission accomplished. My husband's good. We're good to roll. Well, there's all, then, I'll never forget it. And Miss Arletta might not even remember it. Miss Arletta's looking at me like, what did I do? I'm going to tell on you, Miss Arletta. But anyway, she came up to me and she hugged me. This was on a Saturday, I believe, because he just got back home that day and I had to speak at the women's thing. She came up to me and hugged me. She said, you know we love you and this, that, and the other. She said, I'm so happy for your family. She said, but now that this is settled, she said, there ain't nothing that you and your family cannot walk through with God. Y'all come through this, you can get through anything. I remember thinking, that's great. I'm glad for that affirmation. I remember thinking, oh dear God, but don't know if they come. I don't think I can handle anything else. But she was right. She was right. Because 2017, not 2017, 2018 hit. And you get that diagnosis that your parents got cancer, two years to live. And then 2019 comes on through and you watch what chemo does. And then you hear him getting sick as a dog and you can't do nothing but sit there and cry because there's absolutely nothing you can do. And when God gave me that word on perspective, I remember thinking, I got so wrapped up on what I was seeing. I remember telling Guillermo, I said, I don't know how much more of this I can take. I want to run away from it. I said, because nobody wants to see anybody that they love suffer. And God said, when are you going to stop focusing on, what, on that and keep your mind on me and thank me for the good years you've already had? He said, get your perspective on me. Get your focus on me and don't worry about the rest. He said, because I've got your mama. Just like I've got you, I've got her. And I'm like, God, why didn't you tell me this at the beginning of the year? You could have saved me a lot of trouble. He said, you weren't ready. I was like, all right. Probably wasn't. 
But since then, though, seriously, God's great. You know, he, <laughs> he, he amazes me all the time. You know, and like that girl that I know whose mother's walking down the same road with cancer, but hers is ovarian cancer. You know, it's easy for us, anything that we walk through, we can keep that perspective. Well, nobody's ever gone through this before, or nobody's suffered with it the way I've suffered with it. I'm going to stay right here in this little hamster wheel. I'm going to go around, and I'm going to go around, and I'm going to go around, because ain't nobody hurt like I've hurt. I'm not going to share my struggles with anybody, but God, it's, what are you going to do? I'm telling you what to do. Change your perspective. Get out of the gloom, despair, and agony on me. And focus on what I can do through you. Focus on how I can help others. Because I've seen it a long time ago. There's certain things that God lets us walk through. That he can do amazing things through. But those things that we go through. Are the things that we can help people with. And nobody else can touch. Because they can walk right through those doors. And say you know what I'm going through. This that or the other. And then you'll know, okay, let me go get so-and-so. They've been where you've been. You need to talk to them because there's nothing I can say that can help where you're at other than I love you and I'm going to pray. But I can't dare look at you and tell you I understand what you're walking through because I have no clue. But I know who does. And you need to meet that person. How are we going to look at it? I'm going to reference that quote at the end when Corey Ten Boom. When she said it at the beginning, if you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you're going to be depressed. But if you look at Christ, you're going to be at rest. My focus, my perspective for this year and I pray for the years to come. It's not going to be about what goes on around me. Because sometimes you see nothing that can discourage you. You're just like, I'm never going to leave my house again because by golly, it just ain't safe. But God, I'm going to keep my eyes on you. And know that no matter what happens, or no matter if that phone rings and it's bad news, God, I'm going to keep my eyes on you. Because you told me you'll never leave me. You're never going to forsake me. You'll stick closer to me than a brother. God, you told me that greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. And no weapon formed against me is going to prosper. What the, what the world intended for death, you intended it to do good. That's what I'm going to hang on to. And when I can't stand no more. And when I feel like the, I've been took all I can take for a day, I'm going to find my sanctuary, I'm going to find my war room, even if it's at the edge of the bed or a guest room, and God, we got to talk. you got to fill me back up because, Lord, I'm bone dry again. Because what we've got to do, there are so many things and being in children's ministry, you get, you get to hear a lot of neat things. You get to hear a lot of great things. And always be prepared to hear some, the unexpected. And kids get to play all these nifty games. They got stuff that we never even thought about having. I, you know, there wasn't nothing electronic around when I was a kid. You got outside and you played in the dirt. 
or rode a bicycle. There wasn't no iPads. There wasn't wireless video games. We had Nintendo. Now, I did have that when I was a kid, but that was it. You shot the ducks and you played, but there was no wireless hookup. There wasn't nothing that could come in through my TV or through an electronic screen and get my kids. But now when you ask kids, oh, I'm playing Fortnite. Okay. But what are you doing? Oh, I played Roblox, Miss Norris. A lot of fun. All right. And I'll ask some of the older ones that have kind of aged out of children's church, but they're still my babies, so I make it a point to talk to them when I see them. We do Snapchat, we do this, we do that, and I'm like, are you being careful? Because I let, now the only thing I will let my kids do, I do let them do Roblox, but I have every safeguard known to man applied to that thing where can't just anybody try to fend my child. It has to go through me. If I don't know you, you ain't getting near my kid. And there's a bunch of other parents who do the same thing. Because we have got to keep that heavenly perspective. We've got to keep focused and we've got to get that generation out there that comes out here on Wednesdays and that's back there in the back rooms on Wednesday night and it's out there on that sanctuary right there Sunday morning because they got everything pulling at them, telling them why they don't need Jesus. Especially when they come from a home that does not serve the Lord because statistics are already telling us that if you're not saved by 12, odds are it's not going to happen. And that percentage just steadily drops. And I love the fact that I get to spend time with them. I get to take them places and I get to talk to them. And, you know, like we're taking them at 456 next month in, 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 um, in Springville for that discipleship weekend. And that's for my older kids and I can't wait. But what I love more than anything when I get to spend time with those kids out there is the time I see them at the altar. And the time I get to pray with them, because there's nothing no sweeter than a child's heart. They're not jaded yet. They're not questioning everything. They've got that childlike faith, and they just believe. You know, we tell them, you know what, you got to trust God. Even when mom and dad split up or daddy don't come home, you still got to trust God, even when it hurts. Well, Miss Nora, how can I do that? Hang on to God with everything that you have and look to him when everything around you is going crazy. Why do I do that? You pray. You read his word. And you pray it back to him. Because he's going to talk to you through this. Or he'll send somebody to give you the right word at the right time. we got to keep our heavenly focus. we got to get it focused because... Excuse me, so many people get every reason why not to serve. I mean, I've even heard it some of my younger kids. Why, why should I believe my parents busted up? Or so-and-so passed away that was raising me. And then I have to make sure my perspective is where it needs to be because then I want to get all emotional and I want to go do something like, you know what, we're going to go pray. That's what we do. When things get rough, we pray. When things get great, we pray. And we thank him. And we praise him. And we do praise and worship even in the midst of all that. Well, it's not easy, Miss Nora. When it's hard, I said, that's okay. That's when you do it the most. Because then when you get into that sanctuary and you start doing praise and worship or you start praying, your focus is going to shift to where everything around you is going to disappear. And all that matters is that connection that you have with God. Because when you're in those moments, you never want them to end. 
That's my prayer for 2020. That God will keep me so focused on him that I'll keep looking this way and whatever else is going around me is going to have to go around. You know, I mean, I know I'll see it. I know I'll be involved in some of it. I know there's sometimes I'm going to have to take action. But what happens is not going to dictate how I feel. It's what God tells me to do. That's going to be my dictator. <clears throat> Keep our focus on heaven. Keep it heavenly minded. Because God has so many great things he wants us to do. That only we can do. You and I can do. I want to thank you all for listening tonight as I shared.